0: This episode of the CPA Reviewed podcast is brought to you by my company, Ninja CPA Review, where you can get all Ninja materials under our new Ninja Monthly plan for one low monthly price, which is cheaper than a cup of coffee per day, and Ninja Monthly works with any CPA review course, or it can be used standalone for standalone study, so if you like your course, you can keep it. If you hate your course, well, you can ditch it, and go 100% Ninja, and the best part, there is no commitment, so this is not a financing plan. So, Ninja is the only monthly plan that lets you walk away after one month, no questions asked, for any reason whatsoever. Every other monthly plan out there locks you into at least 1500 to $3,000, and you can't walk away. So, but with Ninja, you can, and if you try it, and if you hate it, hey, shoot me an email. I will refund your money. And so there's literally no reason not to become a ninja right now. So right now, this very second, hit pause and go to another71.com forward slash ninja and then sign up and then hit play and then listen to the rest of the podcast. Now, after you sign up, shoot me an email, jeff at another71.com. That's jeff at another71.com and let me know that you listened to the podcast and became a ninja and I promise I will reply, and while you are shooting me an email, tell me your story, I wanna hear it. Okay, that's it, hit pause, go sign up to Be A Ninja, shoot me an email, and I will see you in the dojo. The following is general advice only and should not be construed as accounting, legal, or any other professional advice. The details of your situation are fact dependent and you are advised to seek the help of a competent professional.
1: Unmodified, no longer unqualified. These standards are clarified. Financial statements verified. Yeah, unmodified. I gotta say, welcome to the other side. Unmodified, no longer unqualified. These standards are clarified. Financial statements verified. Yeah, unmodified. I gotta say,
0: What is happening everyone? Welcome back to CPA Review, the official podcast of Another71.com and the unofficial podcast of The CPA Exam. Welcome to episode 83. As always, I'm your humble host, Jeff Elliott, a licensed CPA in the state of Kansas by the grace of God and to the chagrin of many. If you have a question for the podcast, you can go to Another71.com. Click in the upper nav, Ask the Ninjas, and it will appear in a future edition of the podcast. If your question is time sensitive, then you should join Ninja Monthly because Ninja Monthly members, just as a toss-in perk, they get their questions moved to the front of the line. So let's jump into it. Ninja Monthly member Jocelyn says, I cannot grasp which rate to use in the foreign currency questions. Sometimes it is the spot rate, sometimes it is the 30 day or 90 day rate. Any tips on how to remember this? Okay, if you run a US-based company and some of your, some of your inputs come internationally, so you are a US-based automobile manufacturer and you buy spark plugs from Europe. And if you say, hey, I need 100,000 spark plugs, and I'm gonna buy them right now. Well, and um, the spark plugs are denominated in like euros. Well, the price today is the spot rate. The the exchange rate today is the spot rate. Hey, I'm gonna buy this, and then I'm gonna pay my bill like pretty quickly. So use the spot rate. But if you're like, you know what, three months from now, I need to buy a hundred thousand spark plugs or. 400,000 ball bearings or whatever, and I'm going to pay for it three months from now. And I know that I can afford the price um, today, but um, who knows what's going to happen in three months from now. War could break out or something crazy, tariffs. <laughs> and so um, I'm going to enter into a futures contract. And and so so that's, that's how you know. On the CPA exam, if they're asking about something like accounts payable, something that you're going to pay pretty quickly, use the spot rate. If you're going to pay a bill like later on down the road, use the forward rate. So that's, that's a simplistic explanation, but I hope that's helpful for exam purposes. Ninja Monthly member Andrew writes in, hello, I've come up with a random number as to how much I should study in an eight week period to pass each. Section. How does five thousand plus Ninja MCQ, and then rewrite the Ninja notes five times and listen to the audio twenty times in an eight-week period sound? I've been on this journey a long time and want to pass this year. Okay, <laughs> listening to the Ninja audio sound twenty times sounds like a nightmare to me. Okay, um, so I think I think doing one to two thousand MCQ like per exam. Is plenty, and I mean that's that's like doing each question one time um, with with some repeats. Rewriting the ninja notes five times, I would write, rewrite them one time in the J. Just rewrite it phase. That's, that should take about a week. Listen to the ninja audio twenty times. Yeah, if you can do it, but let's shoot for for five times. So um, okay maybe eight times, over an eight week study period, so listen to it once per week, like during your commute. But um, I think if you do 5,000 MCQ and rewrite the Ninja Notes five times and listen to the audio 20 times, you are just going to hate life. I think there's a happy balance there. So one to 2,000 MCQ, rewrite the notes one time, listen to the Ninja Audio eight times, that sounds like an excellent plan of attack. Ninja Monthly member Candice writes in, hey Jeff, I hope you're doing well. I started my FAR journey using Ninja and I absolutely love it so far. I just have one quick question. I did not get the greatest foundation of accounting in college and I know that the CPA requires a strong understanding of accounting. What is your best advice for me to bridge that gap and grasp and build a stronger foundation to successfully pass the CPA exam? If you feel like that you don't have a strong accounting foundation, that's okay because Okay, the typical so the the average age of a CPA candidate is 29. Now think back. When do most people graduate with their undergrad in accounting? 22, 23. Okay, so that's like five or six years. Is that right? Yeah, five or six years. Um, where I mean, let's say that you didn't work in accounting, that you didn't work in general ledger accounting for five or six years. Like you might have forgotten a lot of it, and and. Let's say that you went off and did taxes only. Well, if you only focus on taxes, then you get kind of rusty on just the general accounting stuff, journal entries, and and all that. So, if you feel like that you didn't that you didn't get the greatest accounting foundation, that's okay. That's where your CPA review course comes in. Now, there's plenty of great CPA review courses out there. A lot of great videos. So, hopefully, your instructor videos um, help you walk. Help to walk you through that, but since you're a ninja, you have the Ninja Book, and the Ninja Book, it covers all of the concepts without like throwing a, a phone book at you. And so you know we covered in 500 pages that takes other companies like a thousand pages, and that's because they throw all the FASBs and everything else that you don't care about in there. Foundationally, if you read the so in your case, foundationally read the Ninja Book, and and you might have to go through it a little bit more slowly, but reading the Ninja book, taking notes, and then Ninja MCQ, and then listening to the Ninja audio like nonstop, you will be just fine. Ninja monthly member Corey writes in on MCQ question, this is far. 1417, it states that service cost is a component of compensation expense, not net periodic cost. Isn't the S in Prius for service cost? Doesn't Prius represent net periodic pension cost? Okay, so this is confusing, and I am partially to blame here. So on the Ninja Notes, I have the net periodic pension cost and and the acronym Prius. Now, part of Prius is the service cost, but uh, part of the new rules is that service cost is now part of has to be lumped in with with compensation costs because they want it to be included with your operating income because previously companies could just stick it wherever they wanted to on the income statement and not have to disclose where the components went and so um, they could use they could use it to to pad their operating results and they can't do that anymore so while, service cost is a part of your pension cost, <clears throat> really what the question is, it comes down to how do you disclose it on the income statement and the service cost. So the service cost is as your current employees work, then the the current amount of their salary that will be later included in your pension cost, that is your service cost. And so, you have to include it with other compensation types of expenditures on the income statement. And so, with your pension expenses. So, on, on a FAR question about pensions, if you see service cost and then all of the other line items that have to do with pensions, just remember that if they ask you about net periodic benefit cost, then what they are testing you to see is, does this candidate know to remove service cost from pension cost, because it's, it's a new rule. So um, exclude service cost from the net periodic benefit cost on a CPA exam question, because it's actually part of compensation expense, which is part of operating income. Ninja Monthly member Elver writes in, How could I maximize my time with this schedule for BEC? My test date is in 26 days. I wake up at 5 a.m. and I catch a 6 a.m. train. The train ride lasts one and a half hours with a 30 minute walk to work. Work gets done at 4.30 with a 30 minute walk to the train. Train ride is an hour and 10 minutes home. Eat dinner at 6.15 and then study the rest of the night until around 10 p.m. I still need to sleep. I bet you do. (laughs) Okay, so you wake up at five, you catch a 6 a.m. train, and in the morning, the train ride lasts one and a half hours. Let's be realistic, you're not going to study the entire one and a half hours. You're gonna check Facebook, whatever. So, but you can get an hour in in the morning, and then the 30 minute walk to work, you can listen to the ninja audio, and then the 30 minute walk back to work, you can listen, or back to the train, you can listen to the ninja audio, and then the train ride home for an hour, you, can study and then at night study an hour. So let's walk through this. On on the train, just follow your study programs, your your study plan. So your Ninja Monthly Member, you're reading through the Ninja Book, watching the Ninja Plus videos, whatever, <clears throat> whatever phase you're in, nail the concepts, non-stop multiple choice questions, because you can you can use your phone and your laptop and and tether and So if you're working through multiple choice questions, you just do it on the train. So basically, you are studying on the train versus studying at your kitchen table. So whatever you're doing, whatever someone would normally do studying at the kitchen table, you are doing it on the train. And so it makes no difference there. The, The real advantage to you with the 30 minute walk to your office from the train and then back to the train is you can still study. So that time isn't wasted, just listening to music or whatever, you can still get an hour of study in every day just walking, listening to the Ninja Audio because, and if you listen to it repeatedly, it adds up. So at the end of each day, so if you you eat dinner at 6.15 and then let's say you start studying from seven at night until eight at night, you've put in four hours of study time a day and that doesn't take into account any study time that you do at lunch or even at your desk, because we all know that sometimes we sneak, sneak study time at our desk. So that's that's four hours per day. I would call it good. Do that five days a week and you've easily put in your twenty hours. So while it seems like you're at you're at a disadvantage being on the train, you could also look at it like you have an advantage as long as you don't give into the temptation to just you know, check Facebook for an hour, and just totally waste the time. So if you are intentional with your time, studying two hours on the train, and an hour, so 30 minutes to work and 30 minutes back to the train, and then an hour at night, you put in your four hours, and do that over five nights, and you put in your full 20 hours of study time per week. Ninja Monthly member Justin writes in, how drastically is the reg section going to change? I'm trying to decide which section of the exam to take next. I have already studied for regulation and got a 69. I'm not sure if it's best to try to pass regulation now before the exam changes or wait until after. Any thoughts would be helpful. Okay, so what Justin is asking is about the Trump tax laws and they are not testable on the CPA exam in 2018, thankfully, and so they will be eligible um, January of 2019. So, any changes that are testable in July will be um, will be pretty minimal. And so, um, there's there's still some question as to what changes get lumped in um, as part of the as part of the Trump tax laws. So, estate tax um, threshold things like that. So does that get lumped in with the estate or with the Trump tax laws, or is that just a a normal part of, so every year the CPA exam updates its section 179 expense and estate tax thresholds, things like that. The regulation exam typically doesn't test on um, just withholding amounts and things like that because um, That's just too in the weeds for the CPA exam. And so it will be interesting to see as we get more clarification heading into uh, July exams, June, July exams, so that the CPA review providers can make sure that their materials are updated. But the, the July regulation updates are not going to be a big deal. January 2019 regulation changes are going to be a big deal, so stay tuned. Ninja monthly member Carrie writes in, I've been with my current public accounting firm for almost 12 years. I started out as an administrative assistant. I went back to school and got my bachelor's in accounting. I have 147 hours due to changing my major a few times. Seriously, who knows what they want to be out of high school. So now I am a senior tax accountant. I passed one part of the CPA exam, came really close on a bunch of other parts and then lost it. So I started over. I currently have one part passed again and I have until June 2019 to pass. I decided to take a position in a construction company as a project accountant. Here's the question. In Pennsylvania, I am required to have one year experience, I believe. Will the firm I am with now be required to sign off on my experience? I know I still need three more credits, but I'm worried about the experience part. Thanks. Okay. so. Every state board of accountancy is different. So, um, do they require your experience to be signed off at, signed off by someone who is a currently licensed CPA, or is it someone who, who um, used to be a licensed CPA, and now they've let their license lapse, but they were at one point a licensed CPA, and can sign off on your experience? Every state is different, because like let's face it, if you work in industry, and so there are, are there are a lot of large publicly traded companies who have Big Four alums as their CFO, controller, and accounting manager, etc. And here's the deal. Now, I know everyone is I know that everyone is excited to pass the CPA exam, and and uh, they want to <laughs> keep their keep their. Because that's my certificate. It's not my license, but. I am currently licensed, and the reason why I do that is so I can hold myself out as a CPA, and because it's relevant for what I do. But when, when you've done the public accounting thing and you put in your time and you want to just hang out in industry, and um, not hold yourself out, not hold yourself out as a CPA anymore, a lot of people don't keep their license active because, let's face it, eighty years of CPE a year or 80, 80 hours of CPE a year. <laughs> no, 80 hours of CPE every two years. I'm gonna get comments in the video, Jeff, you're drunk. Um, every two years, you have to have 80 hours of CPE. There you go. <laughs> um, it's, a, like, it's a drag. CPE is boring, CPE is expensive, CPE is inconvenient, and I could easily argue that it doesn't really add a lot of value because if you work in public accounting and you work all you do is tax returns, like like you know about taxes, and you know about current tax law, because if you don't know about current tax law, and if you mess up someone's return, then you're liable. So, But anyway, let's not get off on a CPE soapbox tangent. Uh, a lot of people, managers in industry, they don't have their license current, and so, if your experience requirement has to be signed off by someone who has a current license, that could be a problem for you. So here's your, here is here is the answer to your question. You need to call the Pennsylvania State Board of Accountancy and ask specifically for the director and tell them about your situation and find out who can sign off on your experience requirement. Now, the Pennsylvania Board of Accountancy likely on their website says exactly what the requirements are, so maybe you save, your, save yourself a phone call. But um, I think it's probably a good idea to call them and then follow them up with an email saying, "Hey, thank you for your time on the phone. Just so that I understand exactly what you said. Um, this is what I heard you say. And if they and if they respond, yeah, that's exactly right. Then you have it in writing. So further, so later on down the road. If you have an issue come up, you can, you know, you have it in writing. But every board of accountancy is different. So, um, you know, when I had to get my experience requirement signed off, um, I believe the person who signed off on my experience was currently licensed. And I don't quite remember what Kansas's rules were. But anyway, I was good to go. I had the experience um, covered either way. But um, just, I would do your due diligence, check out the regs on your State Board of Accountancy, follow up with a phone call to the State Board of Accountancy, and then that way you have all of your bases covered. Ninja Monthly member Ryan says, I've now passed all four sections, just not in the 18 month window. I've been there. I lost credit to FAR. I also lost my FAR credit and I'm planning on retaking it in the next window. Regarding the use of the MCQ software, would you recommend finishing all the questions by section first and then moving into the adaptive learning section, or would you recommend just starting with the adaptive learning section and moving on from there? Yeah, I'm a big fan of working the questions by topic, so drilling down by topic, taking notes by topic, and then and then later on just letting the questions um, letting the software feed you the questions uh, as they see fit based on based on how you've been doing. So yeah, that's what I do. Drill down by topic first and then let the adaptive learning feed you the random, the random questions. Ninja Monthly member Victoria writes in, Jeff, what's with the new BEC CASO ERM framework? Is it a big deal? Uh, no, it's not a big deal. Now here's why. The new ERM framework for CASO, it is a principles-based approach. So it's not like it supersedes the previous enterprise risk management stuff. It basically simplifies it and makes it more principles-based. So the principles are still the same. It just lays out like the five components. Now, here's the deal. When the AICPA says that something is eligible for testing, what does that mean? It means that, okay, this new thing came out and it's now eligible to, to be tested on the exam because it passed the six month time frame or whatever. And um, so it's it's usually six months after the effective date or the enactment date, whichever is later. So typically that happens with, with tax law. Tax law uh, is effective January 1st and It's so the CPA exam typically tests it in July, six months after the effective date. Now, it was enacted maybe a lot later or a lot earlier, but it's so it's whichever date is later. Now, with this new ERM framework, so yes, it exists, and yes, technically, it could be tested on the CPA exam. Do I think that you'll get a bunch of new ERM questions about this framework? I don't. Um, because they're principles-based, and it's kind of hard to like, write questions. I mean, these aren't calculations. So, um, and again, it doesn't supersede the previous stuff. It just, it just builds a framework, a more principles-based approach to ERM. And for, for CPA exam purposes, I don't think this new ERM, ERM framework is a big deal. All right, well that does it for this episode of CP Reviewed. If you have a question, again, you can go to another71.com, clicking the upper nav, Ask the Ninjas, and it will appear in a future edition of the podcast. If you want to jump to the front of the line, of course you can join Ninja Monthly. It is super, super affordable. And that's it, so be good everyone, take care, and I will talk to you soon. Welcome
1: to the other side, unmodified, no longer unqualified, these standards are clarified, financial statements verified, yeah, unmodified, I gotta say, welcome to the All other side, the must be unrighted, must be signed in the location, city and state, where to find them in the unmodified opinion, the title, must include independent who, what and when, management's responsibility, fair presentation of financials, you feeling me, internal control, design and maintenance, don't forget the implementation auditor's responsibility, G-A-A-S, audit in accordance in the U.S., Plan and perform the audit. Obtain reasonable assurance. You better be on the performing procedures to obtain evidence about amounts and disclosures. Now you're getting it. The info is appropriately presented, the auditor wants to bring something to attention. Yeah, unmodified, no longer unqualified. These standards are clarified. Financial statements verified. Yeah, unmodified. I gotta say. Welcome to the other side Unmodified No longer unqualified These standards are clarified Financial statements verified Yeah Unmodified I gotta say Welcome to the other side Unmodified opinion The financial statements Is when they are materially mistaken, Unable to obtain sufficient Appropriate evidence Just listen Yeah, here's the mission Title Introduction You see Management and auditor's responsibility Basis for modified opinion Audit opinion, modified opinion Yeah, now we win it Represent component auditor Group engagement partner assumes responsibility for the work Additional audit procedures Let's do it, yes and performing risk assessments. of group engagement partners doesn't assume responsibility, gotta reference the auditor's work. You see, requirements for representing that it's gotta be in accordance with BCAOB. Unmodified, no longer unqualified. These standards are clarified, financial statements verified. Yeah, unmodified, I gotta say. Welcome to the other side, unmodified, no longer unqualified, these standards are clarified, financial statements verified, yeah, unmodified, I gotta say, welcome to the other side.